This episode of the Quaddy Potty is brought to you by our good friends over at Stridal. That's right, Stridal, where entertainment meets opportunity for the horse racing industry. Head to strider.com now and get shopping on their marketplace where you can sort through all the best available yearlings for purchase for this upcoming racing season. Great opportunity to get in on the ground floor with some very talented horses. So head to strider.com right now and get shopping. Crone's getting a split. Mizzy in front of the 100. Crone goes up the inside and Crone takes the lead in the Kilmore. Crone draws clean out from Mizzy. It's a Queensland victory. Crone beat Mizzy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Mock Sports Presents the Quaddy Potty. My name is Mitchell Cashmore and as always joined by Nick Highland. How are you, my friend? Good, mate. Good. Not too bad. Pretty happy after last week. Um... Obviously, a great weekend for me down in Melbourne watching the AFL Grand Final. Can't complain. Um, and a great weekend of the NRL Grand Final as well. What a weekend of Grand Finals we had. We'll touch on that just quickly. Yeah, mate. Two of the best Grand Finals you'll ever see, punters. Uh, the AFL was amazing enough, as I'll get you to touch on in a second. And then the NRL uh, was even more incredible. My God. Um, the fact that Nathan Cleary just came from the clouds and just put Penrith on his back and got the job done for him and got a little bit of a bonus for anyone that got on a certain punting offer earlier on in the year. Um, Bookie shall not be named. But, uh, yeah, nice little pre-Christmas bonus for everyone. Uh, Incredible. But, mate, tell me about Melbourne. Tell me about the atmosphere at the game. I'm sure it was incredible. We start, we'll start with Mooney Valley. Uh, Mooney Valley, the most takes yes. Friday night. Um, pretty good vibes. So much more busy than last year. Last year was nothing compared to um, compared to this year. Obviously, um, did see Jack Inovan down at the races. Um, <laughs> can confirm he was there pre-game. Um, it was pretty weird to see him. To be honest, he was there pretty early. I saw him after race one, I think, and I said to my brother, "I'm like, fuck, that's actually Jack Inovan. Like, what, what's this guy doing here?" But the more <laughs> I think about it personally, it's you got to do whatever preparation you got to kind of do to get your mind away from the game a little bit. And if it's going to make it as normal as possible, I think he's do- doing the right thing. Um, but in saying that as well, I don't know if I'd be in the public eye as much as he as he was. So not too bad. But, um, yeah, the races were good. Didn't tip too many winners. It wasn't necessarily much of a leader's track in the end. Um, no, very unlike Mooney Valley. Into, coming into Mooney Valley. Um touch a little bit later about um the two big horses coming out of that meet because i know you have a bit to say about it yes. uh, but heading to the grand final grand final was amazing um never seen a better game to be honest uh total arm wrestle of a game um yeah about 10 15 different um changes in leads like it was awesome so yeah i can't complain um and then the siren when to see collingwood win yeah, um, it was definitely an experience. Can't say I was going for them, but it was definitely an experience that is pretty cool to see. What like seventy thousand, eighty thousand fans just getting up, yelling out, up and about because their teams won a grand final. So yeah, can't complain. Very happy. Yeah, no, nah, nuts. Uh, it was on in the wink stand. I went down and I watched the first ten or so minutes. Then of course my attention was taken away by the um, the issue at hand, which was the racing of the day, of course. And then just about everyone up in members gathered around this one small TV because someone said, like, fuck, all of you better come watch this. And just, like, the crowd started to gather. And it was just this tiny TV, about 100 of us standing there for that last 15 minutes. 
and oh my god, like wouldn't compare to anything you being there. Just the noise, the atmosphere, just back and forth. Like especially when Brisbane looked like they were coming back in that last two minutes. But yeah, no, absolutely crazy. One of the best games you'll see in a very long time, I feel. And it was good because there's been smash-ups galore in the last few years with AFL and a few with the NRL as well. So both games, really, really good to see. But back to, of course, Nick, what we're here to talk about, the racing. Okay, so we'll just start from the Mooney Valley Friday night going into the Saturday. Um, Imperatriz, oh boy, oh boy. She would just win an Everest, don't you think, if they actually said yes to it right now. Broke her own track record she sent, she set a couple weeks ago. Talk me through that. Was the crowd up and about or not really? Um, well, I, I, I'm not too sure, to be honest. I was um, a couple of drinks deep. Um, I'd say Amelia's Jewel, there was a bit more chirp going around that than um, Imperatriz, to be honest. Um, a lot of yep. people seemed to be off Imperatriz because there wasn't much value there to be punting. The common punter didn't seem to be on Imperatriz, which is a bit of a surprise. I saw a lot of people on Uncommon James, um, a lot on Rothfire. I but um, not too many, obviously, going to be on Imperatriz with the dollar sixty it, it came into. Um, but yeah, you couldn't really tell. There wasn't too much talk about track records at the track, to be honest. Like they mentioned it once, but um, yeah, you don't really get to hear too much about it, to be honest. Um, we move into Amelia's Jewel. I personally could tell. I I said sent a message straight away. I was like, Jockey didn't even to you. I was like, Jockey didn't even move. No whip was even used. Like that was insane. And to find that was a track record itself, like yeah, that was crazy. Uh, it takes a lot away from it. So um. Yeah, I think that's a genuine horse, and I can't understand how anyone would say it's not in the top five horses in Australia, to be honest. But um, Yeah, look, let's address it, because as soon as that horse crossed the line, I had a few people message me. Of course, one was you, a few of our followers. Uh, they went back and found an old video. Uh, very first episode, I said, Amelia's Jewel's going to be no good over in the East. And then another video I put out saying that um, Amelia's Jewel is good horse, but not quite top five because she hasn't beaten the best. And then she went out and set a track record with no whip, Nick. So um, my thoughts on Amelia's Jewel has changed slightly. And I just want to address that. She is a good horse. I can finally admit she is a good horse. She is a very good horse. Um, she is definitely up there with the best. That whole thing about she's going to be no good over East has already been proven wrong. She is a genuine group horse contender. However, I do not back down on the fact that she hasn't beaten anyone yet. She still needs to go to the Turak next week and win and beat the best, and then she can be talked about as amongst the best. Like, she's definitely top five now, but she can't be number one like a few people are calling her until she beats the likes of the Mr. Brightsides, and I feel like that's a fair enough call to make. Yeah, I don't blame you. I... I'm not arguing with you. I don't think she's beaten too many good people, but I think times talk for themselves, mate. And without a whip, Jesus Christ, that that this horse can be serious. So yeah, very uh, scary. We'll I'll on. change my tune. We'll move on but, uh, into into our Saturdays. I'm yes. going to talk about straight away. Manal, Manal. can't complain. Forty one dollars. Wow, can't complain. Went to the, went to the trials. Um, found the two-year-old, said I was having a bet on it, and said in the clip, if it wins, I'll be claiming it as a bet. So um, 
Yeah, forty-one dollars a tip today. I think it came in the twenty-one race day, but um, forty-one dollars. Yeah, can't complain. Very happy with that. Yeah, it's why you listen to the podcast, punters. It's why you listen when it drops because you want to get those early prices. And uh, it's crazy. I was in the mounting yard. Uh, one of our followers um, came up to us, and um, uh, Anthony, I believe it was. If I got that name wrong, I'm so sorry, mate. But um. We were just discussing, picking apart each horse. We went, wow, Invincible Madison, she just looks cherry ripe. Um, uh, and then all of a sudden she came out and she completely fell off a cliff. She did nothing. I think she finished just about last. So potentially that could be a bit of a waste of money uh, for those who spent over a million dollars on her. But like we both said, agreed, uh, the likes of Erno's Cube and Manal, who didn't win their trial but were fantastic runners on the day, at huge prices were overs. You made the call to actually put money on and make it one of your bets in the podcast, despite Lady of Camelot being your most confident bet of the day. You said that punters still need to be on Manal, and you absolutely sniped it. So hats off to you, mate. But I'll ask you this: Is Manal going to be your osmosis? Are you going to follow her to death now, or? Ah uh, no, I don't think um, she wins the two-year-old. Sorry, my camera's gone. Um, I don't think she wins the two-year-old Magic Millions. Um, I think not a lot of horse. Uh, I don't think any horse that's come out of that race. I don't even know if she's a Magic Millions horse. Time. I don't know if she's an Inglis or Magic Millions. But yeah, I was going to ask. Do you think we saw a slipper winner there? No, nah, don't think nah, we saw a slipper winner. So. Didn't see a Magic Millions. Didn't see any of it. Um, I think it's way too early to look into it. I think. Your big horses that ran really, really well, um, that ran decent, hit the line pretty well. Thousand meters still, very early on. Two year olds can do anything. Um, it's going to come in short price next next start. I'll probably start at the seven eight dollar mark. I I assume, um, but I I was more looking when I when I mapped it, um, looking at the forty one dollars where it opened out. That's where I found my money it was a, definitely a value bet, and it pulled off in the end. So. Um, but I wouldn't say it's it's the best two year old. I think a couple of two year olds, um, such as Invincible Madison and um, a couple of other ones. Obviously, my horse that I backed as well, Lady of Camelot. Um, yeah. Lady of Camelot just didn't didn't seem to give their best. Um, but that that's okay as two year olds. You have got a lot of time to prove yourself, a lot of time to come good. Um, but yeah, who knows what Manal can be? But it's um it's not something that I'm gonna absolutely stick on. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, like, like you said, those two-year-olds, they're only going to get better with time. Next time we see them, they'll probably be bigger, stronger, wiser, especially Scampy. Like everyone thought, you know, if it has the engine under the hood, it's going to smash them. Clearly didn't, but of course that can develop over time. Um, we move on to the uh, Epsom, the bigger talking point of the day. Uh, Waterford, your tip was scratched. You decided to get on Redina and it ended up getting up. Mock Cronella, Redina and Kovalika. I was really mad because now you're well clear of me in the tip off by about 13 points, mate. Yeah, can't complain. I know I was tossing up at it, um, sitting in the, in the chair in the podcast studio, um, to go with Redina, but, um, I still reckon Waterford would have been really well suited to that race. Um, even with the barrier, but, um, Waterford's, Turns up again this week, but yeah, I'm pretty happy with Dana in the end. It was always my second pick for the tip. Um, you know, came in late for me, and yeah, just stuck the win in the end. Kovalika was coming real hot, but um, stuck it. Yeah, Kovalika was coming real hot. Next start will be the King's Charles Stakes, which just makes that race 
even more incredible. And then from there, they'll decide if it's a Cox Plate like they're leaning towards or if it's just a Golden Eagle if they don't think it's good enough for a Cox Plate. Um, same thing with Amelia's Jewel. The camp seems uh, hell-bent on a Cox Plate, but they have admitted after the next start is when they'll decide, okay, maybe we'll go to the Golden Eagle instead because, of course, you can only run in it as a four-year-old, so maybe the Golden Eagle is the way to go. Um, and we'll move... Through, actually, no, one more thing to touch on the Everest, mate. We've got one slot left. That's Yulong, most likely going to alcohol-free, but we'll touch on it with a listener question in a bit. But Hawaii 5.0, off that run, goes straight in, um, which is another listener question that we'll touch on. We'll probably touch on it now. Um, is J-Mac being on Hawaii 5.0 in the Everest a positive or a negative, in your opinion, considering it's his first time on the horse? And Nash gave him an absolute peach of a steer on the weekend, but of course he's already booked he can't be on. Uh, I wouldn't say having J-Mac on is ever a negative. Um, I definitely think it's probably not ideal considering the relationship uh, Nash has now got with that horse. Great run to get it into the race. Wow. Can't complain with the run it had. Uh, but you can never be negative with James McDonald on board. Um, he's won what two or three Everest, but already no, just the um, one. Oh, just the one with sorry. Yep, he's won one Everest with um, Nature Strip, obviously. So he's done it before. He's done the big races. He's done it all. He's won the Melbourne Cup. He's best one of the best jockeys in the world. Can never be a negative with J Mac on board. Hundred percent. I think a slightly injured J Mac is still better than quite a few other jockeys out there in Australia. So I think. While it is negative that it's a first-time jockey on, and usually with the Everest, you want those jockeys who have ridden it before, but it's J-Mac. He can jump on any horse and get it up on the day. Um, that was Uncle Camo who asked that. Thank you for that, mate. Uh, Ampsum99 asks, does Romantic Warrior just win on the weekend, considering its form around Golden Six in Dubai Honor? Of course, we won't reveal too much as we're going to unpack that in the tip-off, but Nick, just a quick thoughts. Is it a just-win horse, or does it have a bit of competition? It's good competition for sure. I think it's always tough for a, for a horse to travel. You've seen it with um, with some good horses that um, we've gone with. Gatta did really well in Australia. Goes overseas, didn't do too well overseas. Um, yep. You never know. You never know what happens. Form always reads a bit differently overseas. Track conditions come into it. Um, we'll wait and see, I guess. I wouldn't say it's immoral going into any race, but um, if you respect a bet on it, by all means. Fair enough. Um, your mum's your dad asks, can Stepardi win the guineas and go on to run in the Cox Plate and potentially even win it? Uh, of course, there's two horses uh, that are really at the top of the market for that race. You've got uh, Militarise and uh, Stepardi. Um, and those are the two that are most likely progress onto a Cox Plate if they can even do so. Um, remembering that I believe Guineas was Animo's last stop before the Cox Plate when he came second that year when he was carrying absolutely feathers when he was a three-year-old. But um, I don't know. I think I'd want Militarise over Stepardi when it comes to progressing onto a Cox Plate. But Stepardi can definitely win the Guineas. And if he wins it with some energy in the tank, why not go to the Cox Plate? What are your thoughts? Uh, ambitious, that's for sure, to, to get two wins like that, to call it this early. Um Potentially, who knows? I think it's really suited for the Guineas, obviously. Um, great horse looking at it, but um, Cox Plate's a big call. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Hobbo asks, what is the race of the spring, considering that the Everest just isn't it this year? Uh, race of the spring's got to be the Cox, I think. That's the one that I'm definitely most excited for. It's the your best wait for age race in, 
in Australia. Um, obviously, your Melbourne Cup's your biggest um, your biggest race for um, your non your non horse racing fans. I'd probably say, but uh, I'd say the Cox Plate is your your all time horse racing favourite. Should be yeah, your horse racing purest favourite race. Hundred percent. Yeah, going to be a stacked field. Romantic Warrior, potentially Amelia's Jewel, potentially Kovalika, potentially Brightside Blood, um, and countless others. Like we said, and like it's always a good field. Um, one that's left field. I think the best race of the spring is going to be on Everest Day. It just isn't the Everest. I'm really looking forward to the King's Charles Stakes. Brightside Fangirl, think it over. Zaki, potentially the Blood as well. Uh, potentially Amelia's Jewel if they don't like the weights they get in the two-rack. Kovalika now confirmed. Potentially a few of those three-year-olds progressing out of the Golden Rose. And many more. It's becoming almost the Everest of the Milers. It's an incredibly stacked field, all for $5 million. I'm very much looking forward to it. That has to be the race for the spring in my mind currently. The Cox Plate is going to be stacked as always, but this new initiative with the Kings Charles Stakes, I think it's going to be race of the day on Everest Day, not even the Everest. Fair enough. Uh, final question is, Mitch T asks, should Imperatrice be the one that Yulong goes with? You know, Yulong's the only one that needs to make their pick now. Everyone says it's going to be alcohol-free. She didn't really run up to scratch last weekend, though, so I don't know if they should pick her. But do you think they should just throw the checkbook at Imperatrice? And even if Imperatrice, the camp, would say yes if the checkbook's thrown at her? Well, they should. It's just considering... Is it realistic? I yeah. think Imperatures wins the Everest if it gets a run. But um, I don't think you'll long have that decision-making to get Imperatures to the Everest. It's a great question. It's definitely a yes, they should. But I don't think they have that control over over the horse and the owners and the, and the trainers and stuff to get Imperatures over to Sydney. Yeah, I think they're a bit up shit creek without a paddle. They brought this horse over here I think it was $10 million Australian, something ridiculous because they just assumed that they'd win it back when it wins an Everest and it just really hasn't progressed to the Australian way of going about things. So, look, if she's in the race, I don't think she'll be winning, but maybe she'll run fifth or sixth and get some sort of return back on prize money. But I don't know, it's an interesting one with you along. They had a weird strategy and I don't think it's paid off for them. Yeah, I agree. All right, enough chit-chat, mate. Let's get stuck into the tips. Um, but, of course, if you're liking what you're hearing, punters, make sure to give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening, whether it be Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate the support you're giving us. And, of course, mate, shout-out to our good friends at Dabble. 100%, mate. Always happy with Dabble, um, the Aussie-owned bookie that is changing the game of gambling. We use them, we pump with them. Every bet we mention in this podcast, you can click one button and it's in your bet slip. Put whatever, put whatever stake you want. Like I said, we do not discriminate whatever you want to bet, $1, 100 1000 whatever it is, you can do whatever you want. Um, all you have to do is copy our tips, easy as that. Join the 23,000 other punters following the Mock Sports on the app and start winning with us this spring. Yes, 100%, mate. So click the link in the show notes or just sign up to the app and use the code MOCKSPORTS when you do to let them know we sent you and start joining in on all the fun that is on the Dabble app. All right, mate. 
down at Rose Hill this week. The track's currently soft six after that rain we had yesterday on the Wednesday, but it's going to be sunny all the way until races, which means it should be a good four, if not soft five tipping into the good four. Rail goes in the true position. It should be as fair as fair gets, in my opinion, as we move on to race one. The highway, of course, always uh, tricky to find the winner here. I wish Atmospheric Rock wasn't the favourite, mate, because I'm on a lot of favourites this card, and I can't justify being on the favourite in a highway. We always say it. The only favourite in a highway I'll usually get on if it's the likes of a Mogo Magic or an Opal Ridge. Um, so I decided to go looking for some value for the punters. Nickelback here, been on before, he's consistent enough, character, uh, always runs strongly. He maps well for this one just to sit off the pace and just try and go past him in that final stages. I prefer the $9.50 play here in the highway over Atmospheric Rock at $3.50, even though I concede that horse will be very hard to beat, but it'll be Nickelback each way for me in the first. Yeah, nice man. Go on, Coat Hanger, $14 and $4.20. Uh, fell behind Alash Lad last start um, by half the length so yeah can't complain pretty decent form to go off gonna be my tip in the first head to the second go the midway the 1400 benchmark 72 peace officers your favorite at three dollars 40 uh it's a bit of a tough field here boys um felix majestic's pretty one that i've definitely looked at four dollars 80 is one that you can have there one last start um in front of cool lad by just under half the length but um, I got it with a bit of value here. I'm going with Big Apple with Tyler Schiller on board. $14 and $4 for a place. One its last start at Kimberley Grange comes over to Rose Hill. Um, can't complain here. Just only one by a nose, but um, comes into it. Um, looks very nice. 58 kilos on board, so it's not too, too bad. And um, yeah, it's going to be my tip for the second. Fair enough, mate. Peace Officer, again, I concede, very hard to beat, but I will not be on the favourite in the midway when there's a horse like Territory Express here. Um, at $11 to win $3.50 to place. Pushed raises to the limit last start. Who was a $1.80 shot and is much above this class. I believe he goes in later in the card in a much higher class. Um, the horse who finished third in that race has then gone on to win this past Monday at Randwick, which means the form has been franked. And let's not forget that raises was a $1.80 shot in that race and was also a $1.70 favourite against Peace Officer when he tripped out of the barriers and threw Jay Mack off a few weeks ago, injuring his leg. So he was a very short favourite against the favourite in this field and Territory Express was able to only get beaten by a lip by at last start. So I think that's great form to read off. I'd rather take the each-way price here, $11 to win $3.50 each-way on Peace Officer in the second. As we move to race three, 2,000 metre mark, Straight to the point, Pierre Rossa has the form behind Marquess, which is a form line I respect quite highly. Didn't get clear till late last start, but really opened up and closed off nicely behind the boy in blue. Up another 100 metres, down a kilo. I only see upside for this horse. I'm going to be taking that $3.60 on Pierre Rossa. Yeah, I agree, mate. Can't, can't fault it. I think it's good form to go off. Head over to race four at the 1100 at the benchmark 78. Your favorite is extravagant start. $4. Great horse, this one. One last start in front of Smashing Eagle by just under one and a half lengths and can definitely respect the tip on it. Uh, Stamus Laos. I don't know how to say the horse's name, but I'm going to go with that. Um, Falling 2.6 behind our boy Osmosis. Not too bad form to go off. $6.50, It's pretty good. Fire Lane. Um, great horse as well. 
It's been there, thereabouts this prep. Hasn't really really hit as well, but it's fallen 2.4 lengths behind osmosis. So it's going to be my tip here. It's $18 and $4.80. Going rough here, and it's going to be mine. Fire lane, 11th barrier. Can't complain. Fair enough, mate. Um, extravagant star for me here, and I'll warn your punters um, after that PRI. So I'm going on a bit of a run of favourites for the next few races. Um, field favourite for a good reason, though, like you mentioned. Put smashing all the way last start, who has had a brilliant prep to date in my mind. So it's great for him to go off. Gets the conditions to suit. She's also six weeks between runs, punters, uh, which means she's a bit on the fresh side. And usually that's a little bit of a worry with some horses, but she does her best work fresh, so I'm not concerned. Undefeated at the distance, she can keep it that way here with $4 to win on Extravagant Star. As we move into race five, mate, and oh my goodness, I don't think I have to say anything else. Osmosis is back at the races, punters. Get around that it's the horse that we consistently blow up on TikTok. The entire mock community gets around it as a horse. I'm its probably biggest fan. I don't care what anyone seems to think about that. He's just a machine. He is a fantastic horse. He should do what he always does here. Jump, sit outside the leader, kick at the end, press that button, let that engine out, and absolutely kick away with it, just like he did last start, in my opinion. Osmosis for me in the fifth. Yeah, fair enough. I'll back you there. I'll go Osmosis as well. I think it's a good price to have um, before Anything over $2 the, for Osmosis is good. Until it comes in, into the under $2. So, yeah, can't complain. Head over to race six here. Um, 1400 and caps your favorite, and it's coming to a dollar ninety. I, I have a lot of respect for this horse. I think it ran really well on the Golden Rose behind Militarized, but I don't know if a dollar ninety is a price that I want it to be at. I would have taken it. Anywhere around three dollars, but a dollar ninety, I just can't have my money there. Um, snapbacks one you can look at. You can forgive its last run um, in the Golden Rose. Just didn't really get going, but um, yeah, should, it drops back in class just a little bit here, and yeah, it looks nice. But I'm gonna go with Macarena here. Yeah, uh, one last start at Canterbury pretty nicely by half a length um, at the twelve fifty meters. So. Getting the extra 150 here, hit the line really well. So it's going to be my tip. Tyler Schiller on board, $11, $2.70. Got a lot of value in my tips today, punters. Fair enough, mate. Unfortunately, I do not. You said uh, NCAP you can't have your money on, but I definitely can. I think it's a case of bad luck beating NCAP here. The camp was headed to the King's Charles Stakes next week. Gary Portelli noticed that there was a very thin field nominating for this race this week. Decided to throw in that late nomination to get some Easy prize money with a win here. I think he's bang on the money. Uh, it should be winning this race, potentially with a leg in the air. Almost beat Militarise in the Golden Rose. That's A-grade form to drop all the way to this level of class and this level of horse. If he brings his best, NCAP just wins here. $1.90 if it gets out to $2, even better in my opinion. Just wins in the sixth. Fair enough. We'll move to race seven here. The, uh, the listed race of the day, the Hill Stakes. Hinged to go forward with Hosier there to set the pace. Protagonist Montefilli and Hu Yamal are the main swoopers in the market, and I think it'll be one of them to take out this race. Uh, I'm going to side with Hu Yamal. He was excellent without doing much first up, as it was a run that just screamed, give me more ground. Then he found himself a bit one pace next up because he stayed at the same distance. It makes me think that he, this jump in distance is what he's needed here. Um, so up to 1,900 metres now can win and potentially head to a Group 1 race next, potentially even the Cox Plate, in my opinion. Winning chance at the Cox Plate, I'm not sure, but a definite winning chance here. $5 to win, $2 to place each way on Hu Yamal in the 7th for Kashi. 
Fair enough, mate. I'm going hinged here, surprisingly. I don't know if a lot of punters will be with me. Going to forgive its last start. Um, says it coming out with cardiac. I'm not even going to attempt what Had it's called Had heart here. problems, basically. Had heart problems. But, um, yeah, bouncing back a couple of weeks back later. Can't complain. Um, obviously not too serious. Um, Waller wouldn't send it back if there wasn't if it wasn't ready for the races. So can't complain. Twelve dollars, three dollars sixty hinged for me. Great horse. Ran really well first up. Um, so yeah, gonna gonna go for it again. Fair enough, mate. Uh, race eight. Race eight, mate. The fourteen hundred. Uh, our favourite here is Waterford. Uh, scratch last week. I'm going to keep it pretty simple, punters. It's going to be me again. If it wasn't going to win last week, it's definitely going to win this week. Um, same form as last week to go off. Two third place. Ran really well. Was always coming. $4.80 is a price I can have. Waterford. Yeah, we'll say I'm with you there. I was on Tamer Lane, got scratched. I'll be on him later in the around the ground section as he goes to Melbourne. But he's one of those horses that can pop up out of nowhere and bring his best. And if he does bring his best, he can blow him away. Uh, I would have loved to see Tommy Barry get back on him now that he's back at the races. But unfortunately, the weights didn't work out. But yeah, I'm with you all the way on Waterford, mate. As we move into race nine, uh, Parasol, probably the one of the better bets of the day in my mind. Yes, Royal Merchant is a Group 1 winner and is a definite danger. Uh, has yet to run a bad race to date, really. Um, but Parasol comes into this one fitter and absolutely flying. Um, it's at $3.20. Zach Lloyd is on board. Um, the only other danger I see in this race is potentially Call Die. We all know that I love that horse for specific omen reasons, but it's interesting to see her at the 1,200-meter mark when she's more of a mile horse, but I think if it gets the right run, Timmy Clark on board at $17, it can definitely get over the top of them. I'm going to have a very small each-way play on it, but the main play is going to be Parasol. One nicely first up, then went to another start where it was only just beaten by Benedetta, who was a very nice horse in her own right. I think that's A-grade form for a race like this. So at $3.50, I'm happy to be on Parasol on the ninth. Yeah, I agree, mate. I'm going to be with Parasol as well. I think it's the best horse in this one. Um, yeah, pretty nice. The only thing that really worries me is the barrier. But we're heading to the last, mate. Benchmark 78, 1,300 metres. And Kyobi's your favourite at $3.70. And deserved favourite as well. Best horse in this race. But I'm going Gringotts here. Third up, looking pretty nice. Um, it's had one start at third up and it's one as well. Um, the two runs it's had has been pretty nice. One at Mooney Valley came third, two and a half lengths behind the winner. And then, yeah, came fifth, 1.4 lengths behind the winner last start. So $4.20, can't complain for Gringotts for me. So I'll be with that in the last, mate. Fair enough, mate. Um, I'm finally on to the value punters, so you'll be happy with that to finish off the day at Rose Hill. Diamond Dealer, $11 to win, $3.50 to place each way here. Last time she was at benchmark quality, she won very well. She's since jumped up to run two respectable races at group levels. One was behind Espiona. She now drops back and finds herself at benchmark 78 when her last win that I mentioned was at benchmark 88. Surely the market's wrong here. Overs, gods, please be kind. Perhaps my best value bet of the day anywhere. Diamond Dealer in the last each way for sure. I just think the market's completely got it wrong considering the grade she's dropping. It's incredible in my mind. But um, that concludes the Rose Hill Rundown, punters, as we move to the great tip-off. Just the one race to discuss this week. Um, but, mate, before we get into it, geez, 
you're like I mentioned, you're well clear. I mean, you're now 13 points ahead. I don't know if I need to start chasing quite yet, but you got a bit of breathing room for punter of the spring. Yeah, I definitely do. Um, definitely helped. Uh, yeah, you're going for two straight punters of the spring. I'm coming off punter of the autumn. I want to go uh, two straight tip-off wins. But you said when I won the autumn that you didn't really care about that. You're focused on getting it right in the spring. So far you are. Do you think you're going to be able to keep it up? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty happy with the way it's gone. Um, you can definitely... There's no real point having a lot of favourites in. Um in your tips, I know you backed just fine, but I'm pretty sure I got the same amount of points for replacing you did as just fine with the winner. So. Well, no, I was on Cleveland with that mentality and it didn't really run up to scratch. Neither did Major Bill um, with that strategy we had last week. But, I mean, it's a very respectable strategy. As always, you know, you can tip the dollar eighty favourite, but, of course, we're also playing with points, so we want to find that value. And that's something we're going to touch on because there's a short favourite in the Turnbull Stakes here. But of course, here are the key facts and stats punters that you need to know before making your pick in the Turnbull Stakes. 10 of the last 23 winners come have come out of the Underwood Stakes in the same year. Yes, only two horses in the last 33 years have won the race when second up. Six of the last eight winners have won their previous start. This is typically a boys' race punters because only nine of the last 40 winners have been a mare. 12 of the last 40 winners have come out of Barrier 7. Yes, so Barrier 7 is the magic barrier, but anything wider than 10 is no good because only two of the last 20 winners have come from Barrier 10 or wider. You're looking for that single-digit barriers. And seven of the last 12 winners have been six years old. Interestingly, Nick, there's one horse, I'm not on him, but there's one horse that lines up with two of those. There's only one horse that's won its previous start. That's Uncle Bryn. And there's only one horse that's six years old. That's Uncle Bryn as well. So if you're more of a, uh, you know, the one that likes stats. to go over those stats and trends, maybe Uncle Bryn's a little bit of an each-way play for you there, punters. But um, won't I won't have my money on, but I definitely will respect it considering the trends are looking to pointing to a strong run from Uncle Bryn. Um so, Nick, as we go through this field, it's a very strong field here. The Turnbull um, is often a progression race to either the Cox Plate or the Melbourne Cup. You'll see, be seeing most of these horses later on in the spring, especially come the Melbourne Cup, because I think it was a stat, I think, I don't know if it was five out of the last eight or something. I Don't quote me for sure, but I know... Quite a few of the recent Australian-based horses ran in the Turnbull Stakes before they went on to win the Melbourne Cup. They didn't necessarily win the race, but you know you've got your internationals like last year. You had um, yeah, you without a fight who are now in Australia. Um, but they came over internationally. Vor Barnes coming over this year. That's an international. We're talking the Australian-based training horses. Apparently. The last few, they've all stopped at the Turnbull Stakes on the way. So if you want to get a futures bet on, have a look at this field and find one there. Um, Romantic Warrior is your favourite, like we discussed. $2.20, it's very short to be first up, uh, considering it's off the plane from Hong Kong. Completely different way about going things. Uh, running anti-clockwise now instead of clockwise. Um, they often go much faster to start off with um, in Hong Kong. 
and race a lot tighter than they do uh, we do in Australia. So the tempo will probably be completely different. The conditions are completely different. But um, the market seems to love it. Nick, thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think I spoke a bit earlier about Romantic Warrior, about how I felt. Um, can respect a bet on it, but I don't know if $2.20 is where I want to be. Um, if it comes out to maybe the $3 mark, I can probably place my own bets on it. But I think this is Ozopenko's race of the spring. I think this is the group one Ozopenko's been looking for, the one that's going to get it for a win. So it's going to be my tip here, $6.50 and $2.15. Um, I'm really looking forward to this one. Ollie's on board, I think. A lot of horses are using this race, like you said. This is a bit of a prep race coming into the to the Melbourne Cup and your Caulfield Cup and different different types of races. Um, I really think Ozapenko is really well suited to this race. It's fourth up now. It's coming near the end of its prep. I think this is one that Waller thinks it can definitely win. So I'm going to go with Ozapenko. Fair enough, mate. Oh, geez, it's, I'm still tossing and turning. I think the value lies with the likes of the Sulcums and the Francesco Guardis of the world who are here. They'll be... Uh, both third up. They're ready to peak in fitness before they head to that Caulfield and Melbourne Cup later on in the prep. But the form around Romantic Warrior is really, really strong. You've got Golden 60, who, of course, is the best horse in the world. It's the Winks of Hong Kong. It just doesn't lose that horse. And then you've got Dubai Honor, who made a mess of the best we had to offer, including Animo in the autumn. Romantic Warrior beat it pretty easily a couple of months ago. So... The form lines point out to a dominant performance from the Hong Kong boy. But at $2.20, I was originally on him. But now that I've actually said it out loud, all those things that are going to be against him, I'm willing to look silly. I'm just going to stay off him here. I'm, I'm willing to watch him. If he wins, so be it. It'll be without my money. He'll probably come into a very short price for the Cox Plate. Then I can maybe entertain him in the Cox Plate now that I know that he's good enough to go around uh, the Australian way of going things because who knows he might come out and absolutely fall flat on his face purely just because he didn't travel well but all reports from the camp say that he has travel well he's ready to go and if he does that's awesome for racing because we'll have a genuine star down under that's able to produce a hell of a run comes Cox Plates Day but Francesco Guardi for me $18 to win $4.80 is the one I want to be on um, last year arguably could have won the Melbourne Cup if it ran Obviously, it's two runs to date this prep have been so-so, but they were pure fitness runs. Now that he starts to step up to 2,000 metre plus, that's where he's really going to come into his own. I think he'll be really strong late. And at that price, I just think a cheeky $5 each way. In fact, he's out to $20 and $4.40 to place. Damien Lane on board, one of the best jockeys in the country right now. Waller's going to have him ready to go. I think he's probably the horse to be on value-wise. But Romantic Warrior, of course, very hard to beat. I think all eyes are going to be glued to the screen come Saturday just to see how that horse goes, to see if it lives up to the hype or if it falls flat on his face. Fair enough, mate. All right, mate. We'll go Just to quickly, you. sorry, oh. just quickly. No. On, um, on this English horse, West Wind Blows, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, that's the interesting one as well. I'm glad you brought it up. Because at the distance, it's never finished out of the trifecta. It's, you know, three wins, one second, one third. Um, and it's great career. 12 starts to date. as almost one half of them has only finished out of the trifecta twice in its entire career. Um, was absolutely smashed in betting once people found out it was actually coming to Australia. So all stayers races, this horse dropped from, you know, your 50s into much shorter odds because no one really thought... It was actually going to come. come. It was yeah. always 
big up in the air, but Jamie Spencer has flown over just to ride this horse, which makes me think clearly the camp thinks it's going to run a really strong race on its way to the Cups. Again, it's one that I want to watch, and I really hope it runs well because then that just makes things easier going into Cup season. But I think it's probably the biggest danger outside the obvious Romantic Warrior and the likes of your Australian value horses because it's pure unknown. It could have an absolute motor under the hood. It could have nothing. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know too much about it, to be honest, but um, it's obviously good science to see an English jockey come overseas. So, um, yeah, definitely can have a look there. Yeah, it's form lines read really well. Again, I don't know a lot about uh, European racing, but I know that Paddington is an incredible horse. That was a horse that was maybe going to come over for the Cox Plate or the um, the Cups, and apparently, according to the experts, it would be starting very short because that horse is apparently just incredible, especially in wait-for-age conditions. That's just the horse. It's the it horse. It's the animal of Europe right now, apparently. So the fact that it was able to uh, run well behind it obviously indicates that it's got some sort of ability. So it'll be an interesting one. But uh, have you found anything around the country, Nick, away from Rose Hill and the Group 1? Uh, you go first, mate. I'll have to just get him up again. All right, mate. I'll go through them quickly. You've got Bodyguard in the second at Flemington. The two-year-olds, of course, we pride ourselves on our two-year-olds backing. And Espionage came out and won the Breeders' Plate, one that we spoke about last week, that it came out of the same trial as Bodyguard. And we rated Bodyguard higher than Espionage. So that's great form to go off. If Espionage is running up to scratch, hopefully Bodyguard is as well. $5.50, I'll definitely take him. He just needs to be able to handle the straight. Uh, race six, I am unstoppable at $2.80. This was the race that Giga Hit came out of to win an Everest uh, last year, punters, the Dane Hill Stakes. And a few people have actually been saying that if it did get a slot, this horse could run a cheeky race in the Everest. Um, same as Archo Nacho, the, um, the second top horse in the market there. Um, I'm brave enough to take him on at the $2.90 here. I am unstoppable. And then Tamerlane in the last of the day, $3.40. Didn't do anything wrong last start. First up, just peaked yeah, on the run. That's At $4, I'll take that even better. Did nothing wrong. Just wasn't fit enough to get the job done behind one horse called Redina, who, of course, won the Epsom uh, handicap. So, of course, that's amazing form to go off. So, Tamerlane in the last at Flemington. Finally, King Frankel goes up to Queensland to try and knock off the Queensland Cup after two very subpar races to start off his prep in Sydney. Goes up to try and find a bit of easier competition up there. $8 to win, $2.80 to place each way on King Frankel and the Queensland Cup at Eagle Farm. Nicker, you found your bets around the country. I've only got one. It's in the last. It's a different tip to yours. It's Minx Moment. $11 to win. It's Black Book for me, so I'm going to be um, on it here. So, yeah, got it... Um, Blackbook Common is a 1,200-metre horse and longer, so um, 1,400 should be pretty nice. Fair enough, mate. And what is your best bet around the country? If you're having one bet, where's your money going? Um, well, punters, I know we all know who yours is going to be cash, but uh, yes. I think mine, um, it's... Oh, I'm tossed and turned here, punters. I'm going to go with Parasol here, $3.20. I think that's going to be my bet of the day. Fair enough, mate. Uh, yeah. Pretty obvious. Osmosis, $2.50 to win at Rose Hill. Pretty confident it gets the job done and then goes on to win a Coolmore stud stakes. Um, not much concerned about the field around it. Celestial Legend, I think, is the only one that can really pressure it like it did last start. 
I'm definitely going to be getting on the Osmosis um, and Celestial Legend Exacta there. I think it'll be cut and paste from the last start. Um, the Quaddy Mate, race seven, we've got Hinged, Huya Mal, Protagonist, the Montefilia. Race eight, we've got Waterford, Cotahilly, Cepheus, and Banju. Uh, race nine, Parasol, Queen of the Ball, Magic Time, and Cool Die. And Gringotts, KOB, Diamond Dealer, and Bunker Hut to finish off the day. $50 gives you 19.5%. Anything to say to the punters before we go, mate? Uh, best of luck this weekend. Save your punting for next week. Everest week Everest next week. Everest day. Yeah, that's right, mate. Uh, Everest day next week. So save your pennies for the big one next week. We'll be having a lot of content coming out about that. Uh, but if you do decide to bet this weekend, of course, do so within your means. Set a deposit limit. Um, and think about what you could be buying instead. Gamble responsibly. Only bet what you can afford to lose punters. And if you need any sort of support, head to the relevant services out there that the government have for you. Um, so we'll see you next week. Get keen for Everest punters. <laughs> Crone's getting a split. Mizzy in front of the 100. Crone goes up the inside and Crone takes...